let me give you a success story. This hurts me to my core, but you have to give credit where credit is due. We're gonna look at Liverpool. Welcome to episode four of Much Ado About Economics. And today we wanna talk about something that I hold dear to my heart, and that is Manchester United. So of course, I'm gonna find a way to make it work with economics. And from what we know now is football is a business. Football is definitely a business. It is a business. There's a lot of money in it. It's an exchange. Yes, it's, it's an exchange, yeah. And because there's so many people watching it, it had to become more structured. Mm-hmm. Before, you just put together a couple of teams, put in some money so you could buy the field and play a tournament, and you win a medal. Exactly. Now there's so much more to it, too. So there's a lot, right? Because when there's that whole there's the whole structure of the of people wanting to watch the game, mm-hmm. the avenues at which you can watch a game from, yeah, uh, the different sponsorship deals that can happen between clubs, yes, um, the interchange. Sorry, I mean different the sponsorship deals that happen between people, so different organizations. Uh, it could be like Fly Emirates does uh, Liverpool, no Arsenal, and I believe. Real Madrid, and how Chevrolet does Manchester United. Yeah. So wasn't it AIG at one point in time? Yes, it was Sharp. There was Sharp. There was AIG, AON, and now Chevrolet. And I think just yesterday they made a deal with uh, I forgot what thing transfer news or something. I don't quite remember, but they made a new deal already. Mm-hmm. So when Chevrolet expires, it's gonna change again. Mm-hmm. Even uh, I think. Uh, Rwanda has on Arsenal. I think they paid about thirty million dollars for it. Wow! Just to get visit Rwanda on a sleeve. Wow! Like that's a lot of money. That's even, a lot of money. You know what's even funnier? Mm. You you go and watch like Italian games, like mm. in the Italian league. Mm. You will see STC. Mm. Yeah, that's true. And you see like true. like in champ, you're watching Champions League against like a Portuguese team versus mm. a Spanish team, and on the board you see a South, like you see Arabic, and you're like, what is going on? But then you realize there's a huge like fan base in in the Arab in world the in the Middle, Middle East. East yeah yeah even in East Africa like, Asia what is the only sport that we used to think about in the Middle East football nobody talked about cricket nobody talked about tennis no, nobody talked about basketball everyone talked about football you'd go on the street there'd be people in like they didn't even have slippers but they had a football yeah you go to the, you go to like the depths of the jungle and they'll you know mean the desert or even desert I'm saying anywhere in the world mm. and they will know who Cristiano Ronaldo is Definitely. he's like well, he's if the uh, one of the or if not the most followed person on Instagram, yeah, he makes more money off Instagram then than he, he does, does on the football, pitch, right? Yeah. See, for the I, this is a very beautiful social concept yeah. that economics brings the world together. Oh, sorry, mm-hmm. not economics. I mean, football brings the world together, and we yes. study the economics of bringing people together with football as our medium. Yes, but from a fan's perspective, we do have to draw the line between business. And passion. Hmm. I feel like in certain aspects, as we will discuss today, is mm-hmm. business is taking over and the passion is dying. Okay. It's more about, and I will give you comparisons with other clubs and what they do. Okay. I can give you an example right now is, for example, uh, tickets in for, to play a game, to watch the game of Dortmund in mm-hmm. Germany mm-hmm. is about 104, uh, 104 pounds. Mm-hmm. To watch an Arsenal game is like 958 pounds. And, you, and if you look at the stadium, like not right now because of COVID, yeah. but if you had looked at the stadium in Borussia Dortmund, any home game, it's mm-hmm. sold out. It is sold out. And I agree. 
and the the owner of the club said that why would we want to raise the price? Like, what's the point of raising the price? Fine, we make two million more dollar, two million more in a year mm-hmm. from raising the price. But at the end of the day, this is for the fans. Yeah, they did not let go of the core value. Yes, it's good to make business. Yes, it's good mm-hmm. to capitalize on your opportunities. Mm-hmm. Like, if you have a big fan base like Manchester United, who has one point one billion fans around the world globally, that's that's huge. It's I mean, you have to find a way that's to maximize. almost as many Muslims in the world. Yeah, exactly. It's good to like capitalize on that, mm-hmm. like you know, selling merchandise and mm-hmm. trying to reach out to everyone in the world, having inter- uh, international preseason games, mm-hmm. tours in Asia, North America, and all that. It's good. That's good. But at the end of the day, like, there comes a point where you see the decisions made at the club mm-hmm. are not in line with the core values of the club, the foundation of what it was built on, right? And I think that that brings us to like it's just just like I'm going to digress slightly here which is this whole idea of fiduciary responsibility mm-hmm. right so fiduciary responsibility is essentially ethics of a business mm-hmm. so it's the responsibilities that managers would have to stakeholders it's the responsibilities that stakeholders have to shareholders it's the responsibilities that shareholders have to stakeholders shareholders to consumers organizations to consumers yes and all these different levels of responsibility in and all these levels of responsibility are defined by the values or the mission statement, I guess we can say, yeah. of different organizations. Exactly. So this whole idea of people drifting away from fiduciary responsibility opens up a very large discussion on ethics. Yes. It becomes a slippery slope mm-hmm. as well. Yeah, 100%. And we have many examples of that. And today we're going to be looking specifically at Manchester United because it's the best team. It's my team. Hello. But... It's also I, because I find I find that a lot of people are going to have issues with you <laughs> saying that. But but there's also one more reason is mm-hmm. Manchester United is a publicly listed company, mm-hmm. which is uh, not very common in the football, in the football world. world. It's it's slowly coming in. I think Arsenal is one of them. Juventus is one of them. Mm-hmm. Dortmund is also one of them. You can buy Juventus shares for eighty cents. Why eighty not? cents? Why not? You know? Why not? It's Ronaldo's cents. there, <laughs> and you can also buy uh, United uh, Manchester United shares for about eighteen dollars. Mm-hmm. They're all listed. So the advantage we have with that is I have access to their financial data, yeah. their reports. So in these reports, they all... Now, they don't just we, do we need to define what a public limited company is and a private limited company is? Um, sure. So basically, um, when we talk about limited liability companies, it just means that when stuff goes haywire, um, people who are shareholders are not allowed to come after your personal assets. They can only come, up, come after the company assets. A private limited company means the shares of a company are can only be distributed into friends and family and close relatives. Yeah, they pick which, who they give it to, which allows you, which means that you don't have to rec- you don't have to conform to certain requirements set out by uh, regulatory bodies. But a private, lim- a public limited company, you can sell your stock on the sh- you can sell shares on the stock market, but also um, you have to conform to certain regulatory requirements yeah so for example like how you you have to be giving out financial reports mm-hmm. that follow a certain structure and standard yep. accounting standards so for example they decided they do it under the international financial reporting standards yeah the ifrs this is the most commonly used mm-hmm. uh fi- this accounting standard there's yep. also one more u.s gap but that's mostly america in these financial reports they don't just talk about like the money they also talk about other things for example they talk about what are they talk about the streams of revenue that they have? Mm-hmm. They talk about um, how they have been spending their money. They give it in detail. 
So all of that can be, it's like 170 pages. So if you're interested, you want to know more about it, you could figure it out if you're a United fan. And I think if you're an Arsenal fan, you can also do that and all the other teams that I also and talked if about if anybody before. wants this document, obviously we'll link, put a link to it in the description. Yeah, I will put in the it's, link will be in the description. In the description. Yeah. So, of course, uh, we got the, I got, I, we took out the financial report of 2020. Mm-hmm. But if you look through it, you'll see that they show, they compared through 2016 to 2020. Yeah. And they talk, they have this, um, let's talk about it first, like where their different revenues, uh, streams of revenue come from. Mm-hmm. So firstly, they have commercial revenue. Yep. They have broadcasting revenue. Yep. And they have match day revenue. Okay, let's define this. What is commercial revenue? So commercial revenue can be analyzed as sponsorships. Mm -hmm. So anyone who who pays you to have their name being put over there. So for example, uh, there is Chevrolet, there is AON. Mm -hmm. They're still sponsors because the training complex is AON training complex. Mm -hmm. So that is also their sponsors. Yeah. Um, There are other many, many sponsors. You can check their website. What about, you know, like when you buy jerseys and stuff from the... Uh, they have a they have a contract with Adidas, mm-hmm. so their their kits are made by Adidas, right? Or Adidas, wherever you're from, you say it differently. <laughs> um, and uh, even DHL is one of their main sponsors, mm-hmm. their major sponsors. There's also so you ship players, <laughs> <laughs> logistic <laughs> logistics of players. So Anyways. yeah, I mean if I mean football is um is a sport it's an industry mm-hmm. we'll call it an industry here since we're talking about economics it's mm-hmm. an industry that is widely watched in the whole world yeah. it's a it's a global phenomenon it's like pay-per-view for when we do like boxing yeah or when we see ufc yes kind of but at the end of the day if you're a company trying to get some exposure to the world mm-hmm. you're looking to advertise there right you want to put your name on that because mm-hmm. there's going to be billions of people watching that screen and seeing that brand I remember um, when we were in Saudi, do you remember in Jeddah, there was this tower? They call, mm-hmm. I think they called it the Kingdom Tower. And um, it was like they had screens on the tower. So they didn't install. So it was uh, probably the tallest tower in the world other than the fountain. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. So it was probably the tallest tower in Saudi, at, in Jeddah at the time. Um, like 30, 30, 35 floors, something yeah. along those lines. Um, and it cost almost to, to advertise something for a year. It, it like it costed almost a million real. Wow, a million real, which is about three hundred thirty thousand US dollars. About yeah, I think it was a like one minute advert every like three four hours. Yeah, or like a ten second advert every three four hours. So a total playing time of probably a minute, and they would charge about a million real for that. Yeah, that's that's basically what happens here. So let's let's look at the numbers here then. For example, so. Between 2016 and 2019, mm-hmm. they earned about 170 million dollars, uh, not million dollars, pounds. million pounds from sponsorship revenue. So sponsors paying them to like, you know, basically they're sponsors. In 2020, it was 182,000, mm-hmm. uh, 82 million. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> the number's a little confusing. We'll put it up here too. Uh, then there's retail merchandising, apparel and products licensing revenue. So basically like selling their... Uh, they have all kinds of apparel, it's not just kids. So they have like jackets, they have the training outfits, mm-hmm. they have socks, shoes. shoes. Do they have shoes? Uh, no, shoes, they don't, shoes, I think, are more player-based. They're player-based because players get uh, sponsored through that too. So now there's also mm-hmm. individual sponsorships as well, mm-hmm. which we'll talk about in a bit as well. And that's where commercial revenue comes from. Mm-hmm. So in, in terms of commercial revenue, 
the club has a bit more control over how they can choose, pick and choose. Mm -hmm. But once they sign a contract, for example, Adidas, they sign a 10-year deal in 2015 with Adidas. So until 2025, they're stuck with that contract. Which is a good thing and a bad thing, right? It's security, stability, but with changing market conditions, they might get underpaid. That's true too. But of course, like I feel like in a contract negotiation, that has to be taken into account, I assume. To an extent, at least. It could be that contract negotiations are set up in such a way where you account for all of this. You account for inflation. Yeah. So you say, like, okay, fine. You know what? For the first year, we're going to pay you or we're going to get whatever, 50 million pounds, which will increase at 2% every year. Yeah. Right? And secondly, also, it it can also be Mm performance-based. Like player contracts, it can also be with the sponsorship. Like, okay, if 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 my team is able to reach Champions League, Mm-hmm. that means my team is going to have more exposure to the world mm-hmm. and we will talk about that too you get more money a lot more money broadcasting and t- uh, tournament prize money all of that mm-hmm. if you progress in other tournaments if you reach yep. European level competitions yep. which is you know you want to be playing with the best of the best Premier League Champions League so because of that as if you're Adidas and I'm Manchester United I'd be like if I make it I should be getting a bonus from you guys because yep. you're getting more exposure so I feel like these kind of deals are also made maybe we don't know, but no, that's, sure, I feel like I, it is. I feel, I feel like that is the case, you know? Yeah. It's the, same, it's the same way we do it with, like, startups, right? Because startups are, are given money and then they're valued at X. Like, you know what? You get $10 million with a valuation of $40 million. Yeah. Right? So I think it's very similar in this sense where a company will say that, fine, you know what? Like, as Adidas, I'm going to say that I'm Manchester United. For the next 10 years, you are mine. Hmm. I will pay you 20 million pounds every year. If you make Champions League, I'll throw in an extra 5 million or I'll yeah. throw in an extra 10 million. Yeah. Whatever the case is. Yeah. So that's, that's the case as well. Maybe it's not. We're, not, we're, we're speculating here because, mm-hmm. of course, these things are like the financial data is out there to the public, but the details of contract negotiations are not. Yeah. Because so, obviously those are like um, confidential contracts that you, yeah. can't, you can't expose them to the public. Exactly. And of course, but we can always speculate, which is the case right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, re- and retail merchandising, apparel product licensing, and all that. That's, we just discussed that as well. Secondly, second, they have broadcasting revenue. Now, this depends from league to league. So in Premier League, mm-hmm. broadcasting revenue is dealt with by the league. Okay. So if you, if you go down in the, in, the, in the financial statements, mm-hmm. they say that broadcasting revenue is out of our control. Okay. About 80% of the revenue that they get from broadcasting, they have no control over how much they're going to earn. Okay. Unlike uh, the Spanish league, Mm -hmm. broadcasting rights, so like TV rights, are negotiated on a team-to-team basis. So every team has to negotiate. The issue with that is there are only two big teams in that league, Mm. which is Barca and Real Madrid. So over half the revenue that the league earns from broadcasting rights goes to them. Because everyone's okay. fighting for so that, is for it, that right. So, so, the way, so you're trying to say that the way it works is... So for example, let's say we're watching Champions League. Hmm. So Champions League is broadcast by, I don't know, Sky TV. It's broadcast by Al Jazeera. It's yeah. broadcast by B in Sports. It's broadcast by TSN. They buy it. They buy right? the rights to so They buy that. the rights to do it. Yeah. And then it's the team's prerogative how they negotiate with the Premier League or the Champions League to be able to get... So in, in the Premier League, what happens is the league... Like the league officials, the FA, the Football mm-hmm. Association, they handle the negotiations and dealings with, this, with the TV rights. So Manchester United as a club themselves don't do any 
any dealings with TV rights. Mm-hmm. So they basically get what they earn. Okay. So for example, so all they have to make sure is the league gets enough exposure. The league is very competitive. Everyone's yep. watching it, so they get mm-hmm. better TV deals. So it's like a whole. It's a league responsibility to make sure that you have high quality football being played. Makes sense. So you make you earn the money that you make. But if you look at the financials here, so let's we can talk about a little COVID here too. So over the years, it's been kind of erratic, and this is because of Champions League. Now I'll explain. Okay. So. 2016, 140 million. 140 million pounds. Did not go to Champions. Uh, did not go to Champions League or Europa, but qualified for Europa. 2017, won the Europa League, which is the second tier European competition. Mm-hmm. You a Champions League is like the top tier European competition, so all the best teams in Europe compete. Europa, the second best teams or fourth best teams, or in some cases fifth, sixth best teams mm-hmm. play each other across Europe. Okay. So 2017, Manchester United won the Europa League and their broadcasting revenue was 194. Yep. Which is not a lot compared to 2018 and 2019. Why? Because they were playing in the Champions League. Mm-hmm. They didn't win. They got as far as quarterfinals mm-hmm. and look how much they earned. The, the difference between 2017 and 2019 is 100 million pounds. That is... Oh, between 2016 and 2019 is 100 million pounds. 100 million pounds. And 2018-2019, Manchester United played in Champions League. That is why teams, big teams, try to get into Champions League because they put in so much money. If they just get into Champions League, they're done. Like, that's they're already they making a lot of money that they can use mm. for the future. Now, if you look at 2020, as a result of COVID, they stopped, gave, they stopped playing for about two months. Mm-hmm. So look at the drop in revenue. Yeah. It's 140 million. And that's, we'll all, that's basically a drop in 100 million again. Yes. And you will see in cash flows as well. It is, it's a crazy amount. Like, it 100, was, million, 100 million pounds makes a lot of difference. Yes. <laughs> For a, even if it's that big, a billion dollar company, that's a big amount. That's a big that's amount. 10%. That's almost 10%. Yeah. That's 10% of your value. Yeah. In broadcasting revenue. So now match day revenue, same case. Match day revenue is what? On the match day, how many people are coming to watch your games? How many people are coming to watch? Right. So, of course, um, because we're in Champions League and when there are more games in the season, Mm -hmm. so, for example, 2017, 2019, there's a slightly higher amount. Mm -hmm. But because of COVID, 89 million. So, you essentially make about the same value in, like, if COVID wasn't wasn't there, your match day revenue is just based on the number of games you play. Yeah. Right? Basically. Because the ticket prices are probably the same unless it's a more prized or it's a more rivalry game no they're they're about the same just depends on of course like where you sit like what what about like if it was i don't know let's say um united versus arsenal in conversion to united versus city would there be a difference in prices or you make a mistake there because they're both rivals but i i understand your point and um, the ticket prices, maybe in resale value, mm-hmm. that could be a case. Definitely. But most of the tickets are season tickets. Mm-hmm. So you just pay like a one-time fees and you have access to all of them. So how much are season tickets? For Manchester United? Uh, let me check. Right? Because then you, like season tickets, it's, it's a very smart play to be able to get season tickets because it means that you basically, you book money from the start irrespective of how well you make it. Yeah. So right. Manchester United season ticket price is nine hundred and fifty British pounds. Right. It is the uh, these are the, one of the most. Ex- this is for 2019, 2020. Mm-hmm. It's the most expensive. So you take you you buy you lock in someone for the season. Now you do good. You don't do good. It doesn't really matter because your season because they've already made that money from you. You yeah, but that's the thing. So that's where you draw the line now. As a fan, you live in. For example, let's say you're someone who lives in Manchester. Mm. 
your whole family supports United. You have generational, you know, like, it's generational. The support for United is generational. Yeah. So, of course, you're going to buy season tickets. Of course, yeah. And, of course, you're going to watch every single game because mm-hmm. that's your team. Like, yeah. that is your team. So, that's, that's where I say, like, there's a line. You have to draw the line. Like, you, it's okay to increase the prices, mm-hmm. but you can't exploit them. You know, like, a few years ago, there was actually an upcry about, like, an outroar about you're increasing the price so much. Like, we don't want to come to your games anymore. And especially if you're not playing well, mm-hmm. why would you want to do it? Like, it, you can't, you're giving a f- the fans a terrible decision to make by doing that. And you're exploiting them. See, on one hand, like, I see what you're saying. Yeah. But on another hand, if you, if you look at it, if you look at it in such a way that these, 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 these clubs are providing fans with premium product. Yeah. Right? We're probably... When, like, how many people in the world can say that I've been to a Manchester United game? Right? That's true. And how many people in the world can say I've been multiple times to a Manchester United game? Not many. Yeah, but that's, right? that's, that's on a global scale, yes. On irrespective, because like, season tickets are available to anyone. You, can't, you don't have to be specifically in the UK to buy a season ticket. But it's easier to get it there. Obviously, Cause it, would, like, it would be easier to get it And of it course, there. like, you would probably, if you've been a season ticket holder, mm-hmm. then you get priority. Yeah. So, cause like you're, you're, I mean, you like, you know, like we cherish you, you've been coming all this time. We want you to keep coming. So you get first priority. Yeah, of course. And like they have that precedence. But see, as a, as a team, I'm saying, look, it's so expensive for me to buy players. Yeah. It's so expensive for me to maintain sponsorships. It's so expensive for me to book tickets, to do all of these different things that I've been doing. And I've been paying a premium price for these premium players. So I want, I need, I expect my fans to give me that premium. Yeah. The, the premium back, right? Yeah. It's like the liquidity premium. These, these people are not, in a way, they're not really liquid. Yeah. Right? If you had to, if you had to sell a player, yeah. okay, how long would it take for you to sell a player? Um, so you have two transfer windows, and it depends on, on many things. So, for mm-hmm. example, if the player is doing well, mm-hmm. then he'll be in demand. Yep. If the player is not doing well, then you will probably sell them at a loss. Right? So, so that's, that's my liquidity premium. There's a lot so of risk. I need money. Yeah. Right? So as, as, as a... As a team, or as as a as a club, it would I would rather be paid more for my season tickets because I'm holding so much premium yeah. with me. Say a player gets injured, I paid thirty four million pounds for this player. Now my player is injured. What am I supposed to do with him? Yeah. So now that that's the thing. Now now the other issue that comes with that, and like we can we can move on to the risks of the business from here too, mm-hmm. is. So that's, like, that, that's what I mean by the core value of a team, of a okay. club, is when you look at different teams, they have different targets. Mm-hmm. Now, Manchester United historically have always wanted to win everything. Yep. All right? And it's good. But they also relied on homegrown talent. Mm-hmm. Homegrown or like basically talent from the youth academy. Yep. Right? They are one of the best youth academies in the world. But... At the same time, when you buy players as well, you yep. want the players to fit the system that you have. They have to fit the ideology of the club. Mm-hmm. Over the past eight years, so Ferguson, Sir Alex Ferguson served Manchester United from, as a manager from 1986 until 2012, 2013. Mm-hmm. Since his retirement, we've only won three major cups. All right, Three major cups in eight years. That is nothing compared yeah. to what we used to win. So as a fan, I'm looking at what's happening and I'm like, we've brought in four managers in eight years. We've won three cups. 
and we've bought and sold players. We've had players that it's like you hired a mercenary, right? Like, you know, like let's say you're creating an army. You want your <laughs> army to be like passionate for you, yeah, for like for the ground, for like you know they need to be passionate. Mm-hmm. But what they end up, but you can also have the choice of just hiring a mercenary, a cold blooded, mm-hmm. like cold blooded assassin, and doing your work for you. Mm-hmm. But the issue with that is that it beats defeats the purpose of the passion. Yeah, right. And like this is me talking as a fan. Is this that the past eight years I have seen this team got like this club go get run to the ground? Mm-hmm. The 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 people who are in charge right now, the chairman, the CFO, the directors, is like 10 people. They came in in 2012. Mm-hmm. These people, the owners are American, by the way. They also own the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, mm-hmm. like Tom Brady's team, who won the Super Bowl like, this time, like a while ago, a mm-hmm. couple of months ago, a month ago. Um, they came in as businessmen. They yeah. don't know football. Okay. You know what I mean? And I can give you, and that's what angers the fans. So yes, 900, 950 pounds for a season ticket is good if the team that's playing is my team. It doesn't feel like my team anymore. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So that, y- there's a lot of things you have to take into consideration when you're trying to like increase prices. You have to make sure that, yes, you're bringing quality players, but you're also bringing matches to United players. So the question is, is there space for passion within business? In this industry, there has to be because that's what that's that's the driving factor of the fans. So the idea really is that when you play, that that football is not really just a game, but it's a movement. Yes, right. It's like it's like a protest in a way. Yeah, right? it's like it's like a, it's like a government party. Like you know when you have like the Democrats, or you have the Republicans, you have the yeah. Labour Party, you have the Conservative Party, whatever. You have these people who are passionate about the party, who are passionate about the voice, passionate about these. These, these memorandums, these, these operating points of each party. Similarly, you have people who are, who are passionate about these operating points of a football club. Yeah. And you need to bring in people who are like-minded, who are able to envision themselves within that vision yeah. and who are able to push that vision forward. And that applies to any industry. So if you bring in people, for example, let's say you have a, you have a random, let's say you have a company that sells cars. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's just have an example. Uh, BMW. BMW. Let's say you, we have, we, like, let's say now we're looking at BMW. Mm. Let's say they're doing a reshuffling of, board of, of their board of directors. Yeah. And they bring in people, five people who are experts in agriculture and five people who are experts in computers. Mm-hmm. Is that company going to do well? Probably not. Exactly. Because you don't you have people without the you don't have the right skill set there. Now let me give you an example within football. Mm-hmm. Let me give you a success story. This hurts me to my core, but you have to give credit where credit is due. We're gonna look at Liverpool. In two thousand ten, uh, I don't remember the name, but there's another Liverpool's also owned by an American, mm-hmm. right? But he is good but he is very hands-on in terms of what he does Mm -hmm. and he wanted to make liverpool the way it used to be in the 90s all right he wanted to make them successful again Mm -hmm. but at the same time not destroy the core values Mm -hmm. so he went the natural route of commercializing Mm -hmm. the the club Mm -hmm. what did he do so he knows liverpool historically Mm -hmm. they weren't known for big signings they Mm -hmm. were known more for again homegrown talent playing Quality football, quality style. They're playing fast attacking football. All right. So what, you, what am I going to do now? I'm going to find a coach who can give me that. Who they get? They got a coach who was notorious for taking players and making them better. And he used to coach Dortmund. 
Dortmund as a team, their main goal is not to win championships or cups. Their main goal is to get players, make them better, and profit off that. So let's say you buy a player for five million, he plays well in your team, he gains value, and you sell him for eighty million.、Mm. All right. Every club is different. Like that's that's how clubs work. They just、their、decide.、Motive. Okay, that's that's their motive.、Mm-hmm. So Klopp,、uh, Jurgen Klopp, who used to manage him, came to Liverpool, and they said, okay, because Klopp wants to win. That's why Klopp left、uh, Dortmund because it was time. Like he was doing his job, but he started to win. And they're like, you know what? We don't really want to win. We just want to continue what we're doing. So he left. He went to Liverpool, and that's what he did. Li- they were looking for someone who, which Klopp is,、mm-hmm. who is a manager, a coach, a leader. Someone who can help you get through like、pressure. a visionary, a visionary, a CEO. They were looking for a CEO,、mm-hmm. and he is the embodiment of that. Sir Alex Ferguson, same thing. He started off rocky, but he got it together. He made average players look great.、Mm-hmm. Like I can name you players who were great for us, but you won't even know who they are. They came from the academy. Like David Beckham, you know. Do you know Gary Neville? Do you、Probably、know、not. John O'Shea? All these players, they did great. Jason Park. Like they're all, if you compare them to relative to like the Neymars and the Ronaldos, they're all average players. But he was able to get them together and create that passion and play the style of football that we want to play.、Mm. That's what Jurgen Klopp did as well. He took, he he bought Mane for pennies to what he's worth right now. He bought Salah for pennies for what he's worth like worth right now. He was able to find players. He had one, a couple big signings like Van Dijk and Allison, which was towards the end when he's finally creating that momentum.、Mm-hmm. Then you inject a bit of more cash. Bring in that big signing player, and then you take them over the edge. But first, you have to develop what you already have.、Mm. The issue with United, when they brought on David Moyes, when they brought on Louis Van Gaal, when they brought on Mourinho, is number one they were too hasty. They were asking for we even as fans we were asking for too much too quickly because we were spoiled by what Ferguson was able to achieve. So what we, what did United do? They started buying players left, right, and center,、mm. and not just and not just like. Like you have like a coach will give you like a list of players that he wants, you know, like in order, like okay, this is my first rank, this is what I want, this is what I want. They're like, nah, we ended up getting, and we ended up getting like our third rank, fourth rank, like our third choice, fourth choice, and then we started building a team like that.、Mm-hmm. There is no chemistry. The coach is trying to instill something else. Like for example, Mourinho is notorious for playing defensive football, negative football. All right, it works. It's good. We came second. We won Europa League. We won a cup. But if you ask any fan right now, like, and you ask them, did you enjoy watching that season? No one did. No one enjoyed it. It was painful. So, like, that's what I mean. Like, there is you have to be able to align your cores and values、so、throughout the personnel. Really is that football is not about the player. It's not really about the fans. Well, it's about the fans、yeah. to an extent. It's not about the fans. It's it's to an extent about the fans. It's not really about the sponsorship. Yeah. Nor is it about The money you're making, nor is it about the broadcast, right? Yeah. Football is purely and purely just passion and vision. That's yeah. It what it what it it's boils, enjoying what the it game. What it really boils down to is passion and vision. It's it's what brings people, like you said, you know, different political parties and all that. It's what brings those different people together. Yeah. There was a story where in World War Two there was they took a break and there was a match between German soldiers and English soldiers,、mm-hmm. or like French soldiers. Like they played football together, and that was like a moment, you know, like right. It's an important point in time,、mm-hmm. and it's what brings people together,、mm-hmm. and that should not be forgotten. And I feel like when you bring in pure businessmen into it, 
you forget about you that. lose the passion you lose the passion you lose the passion and you look at a club as big as united like 1.1 billion fans and like with a turnover of what 500 billion pounds 500 million, million pounds, pounds half a billion pounds yeah and and the the whole idea that a lot of this money is just driven through through passion Irris- see like even when they buy players right we talk about the purchase of players but yeah. you're buying the fan base of the players yeah. you're talking about this the sponsorship contracts that you might yes. get. You're talking about the exposure, the, the the type of player he is, the way he plays football, the way he understands football, the way the way the the other players will play with him. Yeah. So it's this whole. There's a media. There's a. It's like a media exposure. All kinds of exposure. It's like when we bought Paul Pogba. Mm-hmm. At the time when we bought him, he was the most expensive player in the world. Why did we do that? Because of what he could get us. He ended up becoming when he came to us as a United player. He won the World Cup. Mm-hmm. He is now the. He's basically one of the faces of Adidas. Yep. Like his, he has his own line of footwear. Yep. Right. So and he is a social media personality. Mm-hmm. You know, like you see the dabs and you see all the dance moves and everything. Yeah. All of that. Like he is the new generation of football players. A lot. Of, I agree. And and that's why we bought him for that. And at the same time, he's a quality, quality player. Yeah. Yesterday we watched. Uh, there was AC Milan versus Manchester United. Mm-hmm. It was the second leg. And he scored the winning. He came, he just came off an injury, came on the second half, scored within three minutes. Like that's the he's the personality in our right. team. It's that passion. It's yeah. That, it's that, it's it's an art. That's it's what an, it really is. Yeah, it's right? an art. I, so like it's very. We we always look at the world in such a way that. Everything is very sequential. Yeah. Everything has its own ways. The way you run a business is 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 mathematical it's statistical and we, we try and understand data yeah. because it's statistics because yeah. it's numbers it's tangible but you right? have to remember there's humans involved there's humans involved right and, and every and even like when we look at economics and as we were studying the economics of this what you at the end of the day what it really boils down to is this whole idea of consumer sentiment yes if as people we don't really like a club we're going to support it, but we're not really going to enjoy what's going on. As a, as a coach, if you, don't really in, if you don't really have the vision that your players require to get your club to the next level, you're not going to be able to make it no matter how, how so, much of a good coach you are. That's the thing. It's about... So, you look at the numbers of Manchester United right now, it's amazing. They're, yeah. they're very... I mean, bar 2020, but because of COVID, so everyone struggled. They're a very profitable company. Mm-hmm. If you look at it from a business perspective, right? It's a huge company. They're doing really well. They have... It's the type of company that's too big to fail right now. Yeah. Right? 1.1 billion fans, too big to fail. But because of the way they took to gain that kind of profitability is unsustainable. Mm-hmm. And we'll compare it to Liverpool again. They, the most important thing they had was patience. Patience. It takes time to develop players. It takes time to create the ideology. Is that, remember that whole thing that we say, like when you build a company, it takes five years to build a company. Yeah. It takes 10,000 hours to learn something. Yeah, exactly. And the same way it takes very, now imagine it takes one person 10,000 hours to learn something. Now imagine over 60 players in a team trying to understand the tactics of one coach mm-hmm. and trying to learn to play that way and improve and improve themselves while they're at it. Right. So all those factors coming to play, it takes time to improve the team the way it's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. That's why right now as a fan, yes, many people say that our manager right now is not great, mm-hmm. but at the end of the day, he is an ex-player who knows what it is, you know, who knows what it means to play for a team like Manchester United. Yeah. He knows the mentality that you're supposed to have as a team. Mm-hmm. He knows what kind of 
mentality you should have on and off the pitch. Yeah. Right. And that is great to see because we're starting to see the team that we used to like again. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, we're not that great right now. We're in Europa League. We're supposed to be in Champions League. Yeah. But at the but same time, like step by step, it's step by step. You cannot, you cannot get instant success in a game like this. Like yes, maybe Manchester, maybe Manchester City got it, mm -hmm. maybe PSG got it to an extent. But if you look at, for example, Fulham, when they came right now, they're in the league. Mm -hmm. They're, they're in the, yeah, they're in the league and they're fighting relegation. The last time they were, so th they came into Premier League this season. They were. Uh, I think two years ago they were here as well. They got they got promoted from the the championship, which is like a tier below the Premier League. Mm -hmm. There are many there's a tier system and all that, but just hear me out first. So when they finally got promoted to Premier League, yeah, they had a great team. Mm -hmm. They played really well, mm -hmm. and of course they got promoted. So they're an amazing team right now. They're like you know it's a it's a team to watch. They ended up spending two hundred million pounds that summer before the season started, and they were terrible. Like, you know, you understand what I'm saying? They just, they didn't, they didn't believe in the team that they had. So they basically spent so much money on so many players. Like, I remember, I remember that summer, I was like, what is going on? Like, whoa, like, like five, six, seven players. They got relegated that season. They didn't do any better. Like, they, they were worse than they were. Mm. Because you just didn't have that chemistry, you didn't have that passion, exactly. you didn't have that all that effort you put in. You just, just you just bought pair, you just bought players. You didn't look at okay, maybe they are they good for the team? Will right. they help us improve? Will they do this? It's a process. They didn't do that process. They said okay, the more money I spend, the better I'll get. Yeah. And that's the name of the that's basically the name of the game to an extent right now. It's because like people are just like let me just buy the best biggest players, best players, and then just let them do their thing. That's true, and that's not how it should be. But and yeah. I think that's a great point to close off on today's discussion. Yeah, sorry for the economics. <laughs> sorry for the passionate rants, but no, but that's good. That's what we're talking about, right? It's yeah. this whole passion behind the game. Yeah, and it's this whole idea of consumer sentiment. If you guys didn't see the economics here, the economics here was literally consumer sentiment. Yeah, right. And consumers can be considered anyone. It could. It's fiduciary responsibility yeah. to between different people. Like, I think this was just a very good episode about ethics in a way. Yeah, and like, it's like market research, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, you need to understand what kind of industry that you're, you're working with. Yeah. Like, yeah, maybe for five years, you make a lot of money, but if your team is not doing well, because it always starts on the pitch. If you do well on the pitch, if you develop a sustainable team that can go for a long period of time mm -hmm. of success consistently, even, not even just winning, just like being in the competitions, being in the running for it. It's not necessarily to win, just being in the running. Mm -hmm. Then it creates a banter between the fans and the fans still have something to look forward to. Exactly. Right? And that's it. That's all to it. That's all it is. That's football. That's football. It's a thing that brings people together. Yeah. And it's and these things can be applicable to any successful businesses to remember to remember your core values. We talked about last time is stay in your lane but innovate. Yep. Right? When we're talking about the future. And we talk about how Xerox messed up when they did a 180 degree turn the exactly. same thing applies you just need to know that it's a different environment different uh players mm -hmm. involved in the industry yep. but the idea is still the same idea is the same yeah and yeah. that closes off today's episode thank you very much for tuning in yeah hope you guys enjoyed thank you to all our fans <laughs> love you guys ggmu <laughs> no idea Go, uh, go glory, 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 glory man, man united, united. Ah, yeah. i got it i got it eventually i hope you guys enjoyed if you guys want us to go in even more depth in the risk of business of the business mm -hmm. if you want to talk if you want us to talk about any other sport like the nba nfl music industry let us know uh we're more than happy to get into this kind of research because this yeah. stuff i mean this stuff is fun this is good to this is good to read about yeah 
right? It's very interesting. So yeah, hope you guys enjoyed. Uh, we'll see, see you, you next, next week. week. Take care.